Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to our sixth episode of Bird Call. This is a podcast dedicated to SB Nations, the birdrights.com. Today we are featuring our bird rights buddies, Kevin Berrios and Jamile Dunn. What's up, fellas? What's up? Hanging out, man. Get yeah, going. Glad to have you guys. We've got a lot to talk about. It. Let's get to it. First of all, before we get to any of that, I just want to thank everybody for listening in. And I want to thank the bird rights community for retweeting and really supporting us. Also, with that being said, go over to the birdrights.com. Ali Fish, all of our guys have great stuff up there. Previews for the summer league, as well as some free agency reactions breaking down all the latest news, etc. And as always, you can hear this episode and many more. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Including our visits with Locked On Magic's Philip Rossman Reich, Bleacher Report NBA's Dan Favalli, and 16 Wins a Rings Christian Revis at blogtalkradio.com slash NBA. But enough with the details. Let's get to Drew Holiday. He had his press conference yesterday, and we got some of the details on his contract from B-Ball Insider Jamile. Let's start with you. Holiday said that uh, the message was pretty much we want you back from all of his teammates. Uh, I guess that's what I needed to feel comfortable. He said that's a big part of us as well. Del Demps has put together these guys just making me feel like brothers. Uh, it was an easy choice. Jamile, success starts with culture. As upset as we've gotten with free agency, and it's hard not to jump right in and hear some names coming our way, this has to be an encouraging sign, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely encouraging. I, I will say this. I have a personality flaw in that I am somewhat allergic to bullshit. And like, it's, it's why I don't enjoy these post-signing press conferences, because if it was so easy, then why when the Pelicans offer you $126 million, do you have to sleep on it, right? This should have been done at midnight if it was such an easy choice, right? But And it's not like Holiday did us any favors, right? If, if, if uh, you wanted to be here and you felt like this was family and all that, um, then why did you basically bend, bend the Pelicans, you know, o over a table and, and, and use every bit of leverage you have? We see guys all the time who really want to win. Like, and, I'm, and look, I'm not someone who's always – asking players to give back money. I don't believe in that really, you know, cause you're just giving it to an owner. Um, but at the same time, holiday and his agent know that his number is probably closer to nine to 18, 19 as, as what's a fair deal for him. But now he's getting paid more than Anthony Davis. So, you know, whatever, I'm not going to, you know, kill somebody for 
getting as much as they can, but at the same time, don't act like you know the franchise is what's at the at the forefront of your thinking. Now, in terms of basketball, the Pels did need to do this, right? They did need to bring back Holiday. Um, I know there's been some disappointment with him. He's flashed for us in the past, um, and then you know disappointed at other times. I do still think he's really talented. You know, you can't you can't really discount how much of a distraction your wife having you know a brain tumor is. So. Um, so I think it is reasonable to think that maybe he might be a bit better this season. And like you hinted towards on the culture side, he, you know, Drew, for all the criticism that people give him, me being one of the main uh, critics, uh, he is a good guy. I do believe he's good in the locker room. His teammates do like him. And, you know, just keeping a, a piece like this, had Drew Holiday left, who knows who the Pels would have replaced him with? We, You know, it's hard to even say. Um, but keeping the continuity of, of this little core they have together, and hopefully they can bring in a point guard at some point to play alongside him, which I think would sort of accentuate his game. But I, I think it was a, a really good move for the Pels, despite the fact that they had to overpay somewhat. Kevin, I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to defend Drew Holiday for a moment, and then I'm going to throw it over to Don't. you. Uh, truly, he got more than any of us hoped we would get. I personally was hoping it was closer to something like five years, $100 million. But with that being said, we have no idea what the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Indiana Pacers were rumored, what their level of interest could have been. Minnesota moved in so quickly on Jeff T that you have to think they, they got whispers that Drew Holiday was re-signing back with the Pelicans because he would have just been such a great fit there. And his age just matches up with the youth of their squad over there. And then we heard the Pacers who are coming in strong. Now, that might have been his agent, Jason Glushon, uh, just pushing leverage. But if the Pacers were offering something around the, the the 490, they did just give 10 to Darren Collison and 10 more to Bogdanovich. It's not totally out, out of the realm of possibility that that happened. Do you do you give any credit to what Drew Holiday is saying? Or are you more on the Jamal train? I'm very much with Jamal on that one. When I, when I was watching that, I was just like, this is so unconvincing. It, like, it really reminds me of me in a way and like when I'm trying to feign um, excitement and I just can't do it, but uh, I'm also not a $25 million a year lead guard now, you know what I mean? But um, like, I mean, I consider that statement a half truth. I mean, why, like Jamal said, why do you have to sleep on it? You know, the team was there for you when you came injured and we found out that you knew about your injury and they still trying to bring you back and give you all the uh, time you need with your wife. All your teammates want you there. You're obviously an integral part of what we do defensively. Um, I just think, like like you said, you know, he just held us over the cold. Like, there's no re- reason to sleep on that. You know, just like you said, it should have been 12.01. And the thing is, is if you would have taken 18 million, I mean, yeah, 18 million a year instead of 24, 25 million a year, then, you know, we'd still have the MLE, the BAE, and be able to bring Dante Cunningham back without, like, worrying about getting too close to the uh, to the luxury tax and also maybe be able to trade to further bolster the roster. And, I mean, like like Jamal said, like, you know, I'm not about uh, keeping money in Benson's pockets or anything, but, you know, when you're trying – when you really want to build a team and these are your brothers and sure Dante would be considered one of his brothers, now Dante's maybe out on the – out on a limb there, not being able to come back, or he might have to take like a huge pay cut to come back of what he could have had, you know? So I don't know how much I buy into that, but again, I like Drew. 
uh, my main problems with him have been really his his personality and sort of lack of fire. But he's a very quality player, very good defender, and um, you know we needed to get him back, and he knew it, and he used everything he could to get what he could because he knew we needed it, and that's just the bottom line. All right, I thought I'd play devil's advocate. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, I saw Drew Holiday working out in the Pelicans training facility online, and we're we're a bit spoiled as far as information goes in the NBA. I feel like the moment an agreement happens, we've got the full workup on it. We know how many dollars, how many years. In the NFL, we don't get some of this information for, for weeks and weeks, so I still like to think maybe there was a dark horse contender in there that we weren't aware of. But anyway, this is all in the past. We've talked enough about Drew Holiday. Let's talk about days five through seven of free agency. Before we get to the Pels and their free agent targets, let's just uh, wrap it up a little bit. Kevin, this was supposed to be a summer of of conservation, really, with a, a lower cap, uh, lower than expected. Teams were expected to be diligent and, and careful with their spending. And yet in the past 24 hours, we've seen the Heat give out $162 million to James Johnson, Kelly Olenek, and Dion Waiters. Tim Hardaway gets $71 million from the from the Knicks. Otto Porter gets one hundred six. This all seemingly in response to the Gordon Hayward uh, agreement two days ago. Kevin, are you surprised still at the volume of money being given out a full week into free agency now? I really am. I mean, like I, I've said this before, like in the first couple of days of free agency when just everything was like popping off, um, I feel like the, the offseason took mushrooms or something. It's like, it's wild. I mean, I never... <laughs> You know, imagine, you know, like Tim Hardaway getting that kind of deal. And I like Tim Hardaway. Like, I remember, like, right before the trade deadline, they were t- talking about Atlanta, like, trying to dump them for a second-round pick. You know, at the time, we had, like, a 1,000 guards on the roster. But I was still like, I don't know, man. You know, you bring them, bring them in and see what happens. Uh, but, uh, I mean, wow, that contract is crazy. Um, but, I mean, I do think he's a good player. But, man, the Knicks are just – they the Knicks, huh? Yeah, on the the Nate Duncan, uh, I'm sure you guys probably listened to at least some uh, Dunked On uh, podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue on their mock offseason free agency wrap-up. Obviously, it's not going to be 100% accurate, but uh, I did really think that by the time we got to this point, nobody was going to have money left or at least the impetus to spend that much money. They had him going back to Atlanta for like three years and $25 million. Is that a bit closer to what you had, Jamile? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I I, I mean the, the the like you said the f- the five through seven day uh, period of of free agency is really kind of uh, it's been this has been one of the weirder free agencies I have ever seen like so it starts off with really more trades than anything else with Chris Paul and Butler and all that and then you go into you have the big deals and then the whole league is waiting on Gordon Hayward of all people which he's a great player but I kind of reserve that free agency on hold thing for like the elite elite players like LeBron or Durant or something. Uh, but we're on hold for him. And then we get to this point and I really thought that um, all those sort of second tier players were, you know, kind of effed at this point. I thought they had missed out on a lot because it, all we heard uh, coming into free agency was about how teams were going to, well, you know, after the first couple of days, how teams were capped out after the spending spree last season. Um, and uh, and, and so then you start seeing these huge deals like Tim Hardaway, 71 million, Bogdanovich, uh, 21 million. Uh, usually at this point, you start seeing guys just take the one year deals, just saying, okay, let me just try again next year. Uh, so yeah, to answer your question, I was, 
I, I am surprised, and and I did think, like like you said, three years, twenty five million was closer to what uh, to what he might get. But that said, I mean, it, it's starting to feel like even if the Pels wanted to play in free agency, they couldn't, right? They just don't. Dems has boxed himself in with uh, you know a couple of bad deals with Hill and and, Os- and Oshik and of course the uh, issues with Pondexter and all that. So um, I, I'm not sure they they even can operate here. So um, you know we'll see unless Dems can pull off a way to dump some of these contracts or or a trade of some sort um, it, the Pelicans might just have to improve from inside Kevin the whole purpose of the new collective bargaining agreement was was to give advantage to smaller market teams like New Orleans when you see all this money being shelled out uh, although many of these teams are only giving three years or, or two years with a team option or partial guarantee but still with all this money going out do you think this gives advantage to the Pelicans going forward with uh, in terms of like bringing back DeMarcus Cousins, for example? Well, I mean, people are going to have less money to spend because they're spending money right now, and then they have to come up with ways to clear space. So I would say, yeah, because, I mean, you got to also remember that Boogie also lost out on the Supermax by being traded to us, so it's unlikely – as long as something catastrophic doesn't happen here, that he'd want to leave more money behind. Um, so I think that does help. Um, but in terms of uh, like the CBA, I mean, as long as players will sacrifice money to, to win, um, you know, that's still going to drive players to uh, take less money to play for the Warriors and the Spurs and those sort of really established uh, contending um, organizations. So, I mean, um, there is there is protection in there, but there's still also that lore of the ring that, um, you know, you have to combat also. Yeah, I just hope Boogie – and Boogie never uh, strikes me as a ring chaser, but we'll see going forward into next season. Jamal, it, it wasn't all big bucks. Uh, there were also some very manage- manageable contracts that you'd have to think the Pels would have gotten involved in. Are you disappointed the Pels didn't make a move on uh, some of the guys I'm about to list? Avery Bradley, uh, they they packaged him in a second-round pick for for Marcus Morris. You'd have to think the Pelicans could have done something like, I don't know, given Quincy Pondexter and maybe a lottery-protected first or maybe two second rounds. Boyan Bogdanovich went for two years, $21 million. Only the first one is completely guaranteed. Are are any of these contracts one year for $3 million to Tyreek? Are you disappointed the Pels didn't get in on any of these? Well, I've always had a soft spot for Tyreek. I always thought he was really a fantastic player uh, for, you know, if in the right role. I thought he was miscast a lot. And I also thought early, you know, the, the Pell's struggles on the wings um, forced him to sort of play out of position a lot. But regardless of all that, yeah, I, I was disappointed that maybe we couldn't bring back Tyreek on that small deal. Or um, Avery Bradley, I, I'm not – I do like him as a player, but I'm not – upset that they didn't get him in a trade. And here's the reason why. Like, um, the Pels really, I mean, one, I think Bradley's contract is coming up after the season, I believe. Is that, I think that's correct, right? Correct. And, yeah, so there's that. And then I think the Pels need to start thinking about John Wall, right? And people always scoff when I say this because Pelicans fans don't think anything good can happen. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but really, like, you have to think about it. He was one of the few big-time players that even made a real comment when uh, when the trade for Boogie was made. Boogie's one of his best friends in the league. 
uh, as well as Anthony Davis, you know, with the UK connection, although I know he's, he's closer to Boogie. We see Davis and Boogie have really connected. They're out there working out every day with each other in L.A. So you can't say it's outside of possibility. John Wall's not going to do anything in Washington this year, and he knows it. He basically turned down the Supermax. And so whatever tiny assets the Pelicans can piecemeal together, I think they need to hold it for when they can get a real difference maker. And Washington, knowing that John Wall has uh, turned down the Supermax, may be in a position getting close to the deadline where they've got to do something, right? And if the Pels can offer them, you know, a couple of first-round picks and, you know, send out, I don't know, just whoever, right, um, that, 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 that the uh, Wizards would want to take off our roster, which I'm sure would be, you know, pretty pretty slim pickings other than <laughs> AD and Boogie, of course, right? But I would even send Drew out if they wanted Drew. Uh, if Drew's having a good first half, hopefully, and uh, and and they want Drew Drew and a couple first-round picks for John Wall all day, right? So why waste it on – and not, not say Avery Bradley's a waste because he's a really good player, and he is a needle mover, uh, but not as much as someone like John Wall. So I think just take that chance because you're in position for that. Boogie – Seem, Boogie seems to actually like it here, right? And he seems to be committed, something that he was never really committed to in uh, Sacramento, right? We've seen him get his body in shape, uh, which was a long-time complaint in Sacramento. And after just a couple months with the Pels, you know, he's taking this opportunity seriously, is what I'm saying. And he knows that he can get the big contract. He can have a, you know, a really, not only dynamic, but really if it goes right, a legendary combination with Anthony Davis. And so I think he's seeing that. And you could see a second half of his career uh, where he kind of gets it in the way that maybe Zach Randolph did, only he's, you know, exponentially more talented than Randolph. So um, I think the Pelicans have to take, even if it's a tiny chance, you have to take that chance because how many times are you going to have actually have a chance to put together a super team? And I don't want to give up that for Avery Bradley as much as I like him. So. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be tricky next season, because if we are in a position where John Wall wants to come to New Orleans, you'd have to think that we had a really successful year, and Drew Holiday would have to be a large part of that. So that will, I mean, we'll see. There's there's no sense in talking about it now. What we should talk about is Nick Young, uh, reportedly, according to Zach Swaggy. Sorry, what'd you say? Oh, no, I was just saying Swaggy. Yeah, Swaggy P. Uh, according to Zach Lowe and Tom Haberstrow, we were supposed to have Swaggy P in New Orleans. Uh, it's rumored that DeMarcus Cousins was catering to him, telling him he needed to join us in the Bayou. Kevin, are are you surprised that everyone, it seems, was under the premonition that Nick Young was going to join New Orleans, but instead opted for Golden State at the last possible moment? I mean, I'm not surprised at that. Um, if the Warriors come calling... And you're in, you know, I mean, he's getting older. Uh, you got a chance to go chase a ring, live in uh, Southern California. I mean, um, you know, out in uh, out by the Bay. That sounds pretty good. I mean, honestly, I'm glad they called because I have no interest in having Nick Young on this roster myself, really. Um, and I, I first, I want to go back and applaud Jamal for appreciating Tyreek Evans as the president of the Tyreek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that always warms my heart when another person appreciates Tyreek the way I do. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, you know, I wasn't into Nick Young and I didn't want to commit uh, too much to the future of him either. I mean, I don't think he, I mean, maybe he improves the roster by 5%, but is that going to 
really help you that much. Um, and um, to piggyback on what Jamal also said about uh, the AD and uh, Boogie pairing, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like Duncan and Robinson, except for they, you know, they even have more skills. Um, I'm not going to say they're as good as defenders as those two, but offensively they have skills that those guys didn't have. Um, so it's, it is something that can be very historic here and be very special. And I think we're one of the, going to be one of those, that, that weird team that everybody has trouble matching up with, you know, like a few years ago, that sort of Memphis Grizzlies team, you know, Gasol and Randolph and Allen, um, they didn't con- contend for a championship, but nobody wanted to play them. And, uh, you know, they had a level of success that energized that fan base, kept them interested. It was fun. They had an, uh, an identity that was different than other people. And I think that that's what we can have here. And I'm fine with that. Like, uh, Jamal and I were just talking about that, you know, like, I don't really like the championship or bust mentality in basketball because it's almost impossible to win a championship, especially in this landscape and in a small market. But if you can put a, you know, a 50-win team out there, a team that's fun to watch, a team that's different, a team that's unique, that has personality, I'm all for that. And I think we already have the, the foundation for that. And I don't want to, like, sacrifice things for you know nick young i don't know he just doesn't seem like he would really improve this team that much i i definitely agree nick young's 32 and he is what he is at this point he's you know a great three-point shooter who's a, a bit of an oddball but jamal i don't want to let this go quite yet because uh just from zach lowe's perspective it, it seemed to be a done deal and you'd have to think if the pelicans and golden state both offered one year five million it's it's a no-brainer there's no choice involved he would go to golden state but even golden state was convinced that he was going to New Orleans. Do you think it's just because, you know, he and Boogie have a good relationship? Or do you think New Orleans maybe had a larger offer that they pulled at the last second? What what made this surprising move take place? Well, you know, I'm hoping that maybe they had a, a, a good trade in, you know, for, so, for somebody who obviously is a, a bigger deal than Nick Young. And, and they felt that they needed more flexibility to pull that off. And maybe we'll see that come down in the next couple of days. Who knows? I guess time will tell on that. Um, if they just pulled it, I don't. I, you know, if they didn't have a good reason to pull it, I, I don't necessarily like that. Not because I like Nick Young, but because there's a certain way you do business, right? You offer somebody something, um, and, and the offer should stand if if uh, if you want that person in, inside your organization. But you know, free agency and the trade market are fast moving. Um, fast-moving market. So, yeah, they had something developed um, and they needed that money or that roster spot to to bring in uh, players for a trade that they're preparing. Uh, then I don't have a problem with it, but I, I guess we won't, we won't know that for a little while. But, um, yeah, it, it is, it is kind of weird. Um, I don't hate Nick Young. He can shoot and maybe Darren Erm. He, he does have, you know, sort of the, the body we're looking for, a, a long athletic player on the wing maybe Darren Ehrman could have worked with him and made him a, a viable defender uh, but you know at 32 that's that's not necessarily something you really want to bank on somebody changing at, at uh, you know their basketball game at the age of 32 so you know I I could also have seen it just been be, just being like you know the Warriors were also recruiting him pretty hard right they were all over social social media all their big time players you know, uh, tweeting him and, and, you know, sending Snapchats out. Uh, you know, Draymond had one with him and Nick Young partying together. And he could have just thought, look, man, 
we all see the afterglow that people who win championships have, right? Even crappy role players, you know, they win a championship and then all of a sudden he's the guy with championship pedigree and he's bringing, you know, championship experience into the locker room of some team that's signing him, right? And so I could I could see him saying at first to saying, okay, well, maybe I'll go play with the Pels and, you know, because I'm going to get more shots and more minutes likely than I would on the, on the Warriors. And then at the last second saying, or I could win a ring and go back into free agency next year and people will look at me differently. They'll actually, because the one problem Nick Young has um, in terms of his NBA sort of persona is that no one takes him seriously, right? He's kind of a joke, uh, even though he's got some skill, but you know, he's mostly a joke, right? And we see that all the time. And so if he goes out there, maybe hits a big shot in the playoffs or, you know, commits to defense with the Warriors, you know, people may look at him differently and who knows, he might get next year, like a two year, $10 million deal or something like a uh, two year, $20 million deal, something like that. So I could see him just changing his mind. You know, the Warriors, I, honestly, as much as I love the Pelicans, if the Warriors offered me a roster spot and the Pelicans offered me a roster spot, I'm probably taking the Warriors, right? I get that ring. I get to be in that crazy offense that they run and play with these you know, amazing players in this amazing system. In New Orleans, yeah, you might have a chance for more minutes, but um, there's more question marks. So uh, he may have just changed his mind. It might be as simple as that. Just to keep you, you know, guys I, I, the, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I like what you just said about, you know, like trying to change the, his image because, I mean, just think of, look at what happened with JaVale McGee during the playoff. You know, like yeah, people talk, talk about him as a viable player, you know. Um, and, you know, that guy has been, you know, considered a joke for his entire career. And now, like, people are like, well, he, you know, he was a contributor. He he made a difference on that roster. So, I mean, I think that's a very good point. Um, we've got some good news on Check Diallo. We're early on in the second quarter of Las Vegas Summer League. He has 12 points in 11 minutes on six of eight shooting, just to keep you guys updated. To keep with the Warriors for a second, Kev, uh, Omri Caspi just went for one year and two million. And uh, a couple of people oh, in New Orleans uh, – you know, are are on board with him being cut, are with the Pelicans cutting ties with him and losing out and his bird rights. How do you feel now watching the the defending champs take on Omri Caspi? I mean, that guy, uh, like I, I said this about him, he's like the, he's the cup of tea Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, he's here for <laughs> twice for a cup of tea and everybody thinks he, we should retire his, his uh, jersey. I mean, he's a, he's a good, he's a good player. He's a quality player. And uh, I think, I think it's, uh, David Fisher said it in our little private chats that we have that like, you know he's a replacement level player which is a little bit of an upgrade at over what we have at the small forward spot right now but I mean am I going to lose sleep over losing losing Omri Caspi no I mean sure he he's he's fine but he, again it's like Nick Young I mean like do they really make that much of a difference I don't think so I mean I, I'd rather have Dante Cunningham at small forward than Omri Caspi, but that's just me. All right, let's move right ahead. Uh, Scott Kushner reported that the Pelicans won't pay the tax unless they are a championship-level team, and uh, you just mentioned that earlier. We're we're not anywhere near that, but that's that's not the worst thing in the world. Just competing is something that's important to, to building on this culture going forward and re-signing DeMarcus Cousins. I'm going to give you a couple of names. I'm going to start with you, Kev. Just give me a yes or a no, and then I'll go over to Jamal, and whoever you guys give a yes to, we'll talk about a little bit. Kevin, are you interested in offering the full mid-level exception to Jamal Crawford? No. Cabo Cephalosha? No. Nope. Ian Clark? Nah. 
Tony Allen? Nope. Shabazz Muhammad? Nope. Ty Lawson? No, definitely not. CJ Miles? CJ Miles, I don't know about the full level, uh, full mid level, but he's the only guy in that group that I would consider. Um, and I would only do it for maybe like a one year deal or like a one year with a team option on the second to give you the flexibility you needed the next off season. I mean, he has a skill that we like he, and he can play uh, the two or the three, which I think is important. You know, everybody's trying to get a point guard. And I think if you're going to get a point guard, you need to get a point guard that's an amazing point guard, not just an average point guard or mid-level point guard, because we have a thousand guards on this roster. Like we have people that can play that role. Um, what we need is people that can play the two or the three or the three or the four. And uh, I think Miles can play the two or the three and he can shoot. Um, so he makes sense. But again, he's not a guy that I think I see as like a long-term solution. I mean, we're still searching for that, for that three that we haven't had since Jamal Mashburn. Um, you know, I mean, Pedro was great, but he was one dimensional. And then towards the end of his career when he was with us, but um, we need, we still haven't found that, that solid three. And I don't think TJ uh, miles is that guy. Jamal, I'm going to mention a couple of names and then you just talk about whoever you want to Shelvin Mack, Tyler Ennis, Derek Rose, Sergio Rodriguez, Ursan Ilyasova, Nikola Meritich, and Jonas Jarebko. Are you interested in adding any of those players? Um, no, not really. Maybe Meritage if we could dump one of the bigs we have, but there's already a log jam there. I actually want to try to give Diallo more. I mean, I'm hope, hoping he's ready for it, but give him most of the minutes behind Boogie and AD, hopefully. I think he could be really good in that role. Um, but, yeah, I might be interested in Meritage. He's got some interesting skills, and I've seen him play some good basketball in the past, and he's you know pretty savvy, a nice passer. I uh, wish his team can use, especially, you know, when Boogie's off the floor, you know, having another big man uh, who can sort of play, you know, a poor man's version of that role a little bit. So I'd be kind of interested in him on a short-term deal. Um, but the rest of the guys, uh, not really. Uh, just to keep you guys updated, Quinn Cook now has 12 points on five of eight shooting, including a couple of step-back threes. Now let's go to some, uh, some I guess, breaking news, more anonymous source. From Jake Madison today on Twitter, wrote that the Pelicans see themselves uh, as a seven seed or below right now. And looking around the market, they don't see anything that can improve them substantially as, from a free agency point of view. And I just mentioned some of the best names available, and it didn't uh, ring any of your guys' bells. However, they do have some trade targets they believe will improve them much, much more. And some of the names that we've heard... Uh, are Jeremy Lin, Will Barden, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Richardson, Stanley Johnson. Uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Are there are there any trade uh, targets out there that you'd be willing to package one or maybe more first-round picks to acquire? Yeah, there are. Um, there's one I want to address that you didn't mention that I'm totally not on board with. Uh, it's been like sort of the propaganda machine today is Reggie Jackson. I mean, I really do not get that at all i mean the guy is he's been known to be a bad teammate he's overpaid i i think uh i remember right somebody mentioned this earlier today in our group chat that like Sergi baca and kendrick perkins would freeze him out and those guys are like locker room legends you know like noted good teammates but they didn't want to pass him the ball because of his personality 
and Detroit can't wait to get rid of him. And we're talking about trading for this guy who's going to take minutes from Moore and Crawford, who I think are better players than him. And then, again, like, um, you know, I'd rather have uh, Drew Holiday running point than Reggie Jackson. So please no to that in that right now. But, um, you know, I've always been a huge Bledsoe fan. Like, I was really excited when I thought we were getting them in the Clippers trade, you know, when it looked like that, I, I was high on them back then. I still am now. Um, I just don't see what we can offer Phoenix that they want in the, in this, uh, you know, in their state of trying to build, they're trying to build young, a young team and we'd have to send over, you know, like an Ashik or a Jensa or some sort of combination of, of those kind of contracts with picks to get them to make the salaries work. Um, or even if we sent uh, Etwan Moore over there, I mean, he's still young, but I don't think that's really what they're looking for, especially with Devin Booker on the roster. But um, there are guys that I like. I mean, Wilson Chandler would be another guy, but I'm looking more at, like, our trade exception guys, especially with our cap situation and the contracts that we have to trade, um, being Ashik and Agenza, who people probably don't want. And I would try to hang on to Etwan more if I could because I, I really like him. I think he's undervalued, and we didn't see his full potential last year, and I think we'll see it more this year. But um, one of the main guys that I would go after, and I've, I, re- I wrote a trade piece about it uh, back in April, is Rodney Hood. Um, I mean, the Jazz might be a little gun-shy with, uh, since Hayward bolted. He's you know entering the final year of his contract. He, he can play the one through the three. He's versatile. He's 6'8" can shoot i mean he is like when i wrote at the time when i wrote the piece he was shooting 42.9 percent from three in catch and shoot situations i mean you can compare that to some you know like bradley beal was 42.3 healed was 40.6 jj reddick 44.6 kevin durant 43 he's like right up there with those numbers he's athletic he's had some injury issues which may you know lessen his value and might be able to get him more easily but i think maybe if you could package together i would give a couple of picks and maybe a pick swap um to get him on the roster i think he could be that that jamal mashburn kind of player that we've been needing so sorely at the three and can play minutes at the two as well and you know in a pinch if he had to at the one all right jamal what about you um i I don't know i mean i mean for me I, i would be willing to make that trade, well, assuming Phoenix would agree to anything the Pelicans could offer, I would be willing to make the Bledsoe trade um, only because, again, with my eye on the bigger prize um, next offseason, you know, Washington would take Bledsoe in a signed trade, right? That That's, you know, that that's getting something for it, much more than most of these teams get for their stars. So, you know, it still sets you up for that, or maybe you just keep Bledsoe, right? Bledsoe's a really good player, and he really does a lot of the same things that Wall does, although Wall's on a, high, a slightly higher level. Um, I do like uh, Rodney Hood, and I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, sometimes you do have to, you know, just take the double. And, you know, he is a, a young guy. He is versatile. You know, he is that that uh, sort of tweener that everybody in the NBA is really looking for. I really don't know that Utah will be willing to part with him. Uh, you know, I think that they can probably resign him, they think. 
but um, but yeah, he's a he's a solid player, and uh, so I wouldn't hate that, uh, especially having somebody six eight who can do so much, uh, and and I mean defensively with him uh, him Drew Boogie and AD on the floor, and you know whatever they roll out at point guard would really be kind of an awesome, almost Milwaukee type defense uh, in terms of length and all that. So so something like that I'd be interested in. Bledsoe I'd be interested interested in Lynn. I actually think he could be a decent fit on this team, but again, he's not a needle mover. And um, well, I, I shouldn't say that. He he could be he could have an impact on this team, it, but he's in the last year of his contract, and um, you know I, I don't th- I, I think they could resign him, but it would be expensive, obviously. Uh, and to get him, you probably still have to give up a lot of the assets that that you need to hold on to, to try to get, um, you know, an elite player. All right. Let's talk fixing the playoffs. All of this is a result of um, losing uh, cap flexibility when we went from the expected 101 to 99 million as a result of the Dubs and the Cavs blazing through the playoffs. If we could get a couple more playoff games this year, maybe the cap goes up and we have more flexibility in chasing the John Walls of the world. Quickly, Jamile, do you have a method for for fixing the playoffs? The most common thought is just to make it seeds one through sixteen, like uh, college basketball. What's your take? I mean, it's it's Occam's razor, right? Like sometimes the the simplest exp, uh, you know explanation is is what you should go with. So yeah, just do the top sixteen. It's been it's been this way for quite a while, right? You know, we've had several seasons in the last decade where you have you know a, a fifty win team or maybe a 47 win team sitting out while the East, you know, has, you know, some team with a losing record in their last, in their last spot and a bunch of other teams who, you know, even though they're higher seated in the East, we know that if it were open seating, it wouldn't be that way. And, and what do you want at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you want the two best teams to play. And if the two best teams are the Spurs and the Warriors, then let the Spurs and the Warriors play, right. Instead of letting, you know, LeBron James cakewalk to the finals every year by beating DeMar DeRozan, like, you know, open it up and, and, and do what makes sense, right? This is what I always say, uh, you know, with college football, right? They never want to do what makes sense and just have an actual playoff, even though they have like a mini playoff now. So, yeah, I think just top 16, top 16 teams make it uh, regardless of conference. I mean, you can still have conferences and divisions and all that. And you can work out the details of how that works out with home court advantage or something like that. But let the top 16, top 16 teams get in and play because sometimes you have a team uh, that's sitting at the bottom of the West that can beat, you know, there's been years where there's been teams towards the bottom of the West that we know can beat, you know, maybe eight, seven, maybe even six in the East. Right. So, um, where, where, I mean, where do the Raptors rank in the Western Conference? Uh, I mean, really, like if they were in the Western Conference, they'd still be a, a fine team. But you know, they're not, you know, a, a top three seed like they are routinely in the East right now, right? They're probably a friend, maybe a fringe playoff team, or probably a six seed or something like that in the West. And this year, maybe even lower. So, uh, so yeah, just open it up. Let her, let everybody just play it. You know, I understand why they set it up that way in the past because travel and a lot of different things, but we're not in the past anymore. And the NBA, to its credit, is generally of the sports leagues in the U.S. is one of the more forward-thinking leagues. I think that's why a lot of uh, 
you know, a lot of younger people gravitate towards it because when they see something that doesn't make sense, they fix it instead of just being stubborn like baseball who, you know, doesn't want to implement uh, replays and things like that. So, you know, do what makes sense is all I'm saying. Kevin, uh, we're going into Las Vegas Summer League right now, and you'd have to think the competition committee is having a meeting at some point this week. Adam Silver is on hand in Las Vegas. Do you think that this is something that could happen immediately, or do you think we're at least one season away from this? I mean, I think it's uh, – I don't think they can do it now. It, it has to be – like, you have to have a full off season to prepare for that, I think. Um, and I think, you know, they, they need to work it out, iron it out. How is it going to work? You know, I mean, I – I wrote that piece that was like sort of an idea of how to do that, where you would uh, you would just eliminate conferences completely and everybody play each other three times a year. And that would raise the amount of games to, from 82 to 87, um, which would, you know, require some tweaking of the CBA and all of that would be complicated, but um, it would be a way to solve it. And things, but solving this problem isn't something that can, happen right now with the you know season being in October and everybody's still focusing on free agency and and training camp and all of that so I think um, it needs to be something that they talk about all year and then try to work it out next season maybe. Just to keep you guys up to date on uh, breaking news Sam Amick is reporting Amick is reporting that Jamal Crawford is being courted by Minnesota Washington and Cleveland I think that was previously reported as well I'm going to give you guys Del Temp's hat for a second um the logic would suggest that if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs this year, he's likely going to be out of a job. Alvin Gentry is likely going to be out of a job. So let's say that I can predict the future and the Pelican staff have already self-admittedly through Jake Madison that they already don't think they can make the playoffs without making a substantial move. If I give you the power right now to make a move, Kevin, within reason, what is your go-to move to get the Pelicans into the playoffs? Well. Um, I already touched on this a bit, but I would say it, I would do, can I do like three moves? <laughs> well, sure, uh, go ahead. You can do whatever the, you want. Okay. You're the general manager. So, so the, uh, the first move would be to do what I could to get Rodney Hood. You know, I would give up as many as like two picks because if you, I mean, if, if this works, you're going to be picking at the end of the first round where there's not much to choose from anyway. And now you got to cash in to keep boogie and keep afloat in the Western Conference. So I'd offer as much as two picks and a swap um, if needed, uh, get him on the roster, and then I would see what I could do to possibly get uh, Kylo Quinn from the Knicks because I think he would be a very good backup big man. He has a lot of similar skills to DeMarcus Cousins. So if DeMarcus Cousins would get hurt for any stretch, you could plug him in, play that. Um, he could play next to Cousins or AD. He's a good passer out of the post, has a good mid-range jumper good rebounder um and then i would also bring dante cunningham back and that would be what i would do and i think with that core you would uh have a pretty decent chance of uh, you know competing in the playoffs definitely you'd have to shed some salary not much for rodney hood but i think Kyle quinn is probably somewhere around five although the two of those could yeah. fit uh under the mid-level so it would be tight uh what do you think yeah, jamal he- what would you do um I, I would probably start with prayer, right? And, and <laughs> did you and say then, prayer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just let's just start from there and, and see how that works for us. Maybe meditation. But, <laughs> but, but I, I think 
the sad thing about the situation the Pelicans are in is that the, the decisions, um, their decisions essentially have been made for them this offseason in past offseasons, right? The, the minute they gave Asik that deal, the minute they gave Hill his deal, I mean, I don't, I don't hate uh, Solomon Hill, but I do hate him at, at his number. And it's not totally clear that anyone else was sort of that high, but maybe they were, right? Um, give Dell some credit. Um, so maybe they were, but even at that point, I'd probably just walk away from it. But, you know, whatever. He, he signed a deal, and that is the flexibility that they needed, right? If they had that kind of flexibility with, you know, basically those two contracts uh, off the books this offseason, uh, or if those contracts had been more reasonable where you could dump them uh, this this offseason, you know, they're in a completely different situation. So, honestly, I don't really see – and, look, I hope Dell proves me wrong. I hope maybe he finds a way to get a difference maker, um, you know, like Bledsoe or somebody. I wouldn't hate Jeremy Lin. Um, I, I would like to get C.J. Miles. I'm not sure if he signed yet. I think he might still be out there, um, you know, on like a one-year mid-level deal, something like that. Um, so if he can pull that off, fine. And I would be happy to say I'm wrong, but honestly, the cupboard is so bare at this point that I'm just not sure that there's anything that they can do to bring in a real difference maker at this point. Um, but with that said, I actually, for whatever reason, I'm higher on their team than they are apparently, because look, you have two top 15 players in the league, right? And you have Boogie with his, uh, apparently, you know, we have seen this story before, but you know nobody wants to uh, acknowledge stuff until after it happens, and then they're all they're all like, oh, we should have seen it coming. Like we've seen the story of Knucklehead gets his shit together, right? And we're seeing it right now with Boogie Cousins, like he's getting his shit together. And if they can build this offense around him, and uh, and, and and have it work better, sometimes a team can be greater than the sum of its parts. We've seen it, right? We saw it with say those old school Pistons uh, that won the championship uh, with Billups and all those guys. Uh, we saw it, uh, a glimpse of it late in the season with, uh, with Denver, right? Where they were, you know, really playing gangbusters with a good young roster, but not like a roster that you're terrified of in terms of, you know, any contenders being terrified of them, but they were playing really good basketball. And so if you can do that, uh, sometimes you can play above. So, the Pelicans, what they're really going to need is they're going to need improvement from the guys already on their roster. You have somebody who you're paying more than Anthony Davis, right? We need more out of Drew Holiday. It, like the Drew that we saw last year, even though he was, you know, and Drew has always been good in spurts, but we need those spurts where he's averaging 20 points and eight assists a game. We need those to be consistent, especially when we're paying you more than Anthony Davis, which kind of pisses me off. So, um, that's the improvement they need. They need Solomon Hill to continue improving shooting. If they bring Dante Cunningham, that's definitely someone I want to bring back. And just a side note on Dante Cunningham, there's a, a there's an outside of basketball reason I want to bring Cunningham back, and it's because organizationally you need the you need Dante Cunningham type players. And what I mean by that is not what he brings on the floor. What I mean is guys who you actually develop right there's a bond that happens with players uh that go through organizations and those organizations actually put time and effort into them when nobody else was willing to do that um you look at danny green and how he feels about the spurs when they basically pull him off the trash heap and they actually 
put time and effort and energy into him, into developing his game. And the Pelicans obviously have done that with him. Um, and he's, and we are seeing the benefits. So why let another team reap those benefits, right? They need those Spurs type stories uh, where they bring a guy in that nobody else was willing to work with and turn him into something that, that uh, is a positive for him. So I would definitely bring Cunningham back uh, for, for the Pels as well as those other moves I was talking about. You guys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Kevin and Jamile, you can follow them on Twitter at Kevin B for Bounce, Jam Dunn 06. By the way, my name is Preston Ellis. Preston Ellis, I can't even say my own name. Keep your eyes on thebirdrights.com for all the latest news. We're at halftime right now of the Pelicans versus the Raptors. The Pelicans are leading. Check Diallo has 19 points. And uh, James Young is playing well, and Quinn Cook has 12. So keep your eyes open for that tomorrow morning. We'll have the full recap on that. In addition, you are listening to the Bird uh, Rights Podcast right now. We're going to have Charles LaRocca from Hoops Habit on Monday morning recapping some of the Summer League action. He is there in attendance. So I'll get his uh, tidbits on what he's seen, the general conversations happening there. And again, thank you guys so much for your support. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, retweet, like, go on iTunes, leave a rating. We really appreciate all the help that you guys give. Again, keep checking back for more. We're going to keep you guys right here. Kevin, I'm sure we'll have him back soon. And Jamal, wonderful job. I'd love to have you back anytime you're available. Thank you guys. For now, sports fans, let's go pals. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson.